And so how many of us take these labels on and are even in our adult lives living with these labels that we received when we were children that were never true? They were just someone's negative beliefs about us just in that moment. Doesn't mean that it's true. A lot of my journey was ripping off those labels and being like, why would I have let someone put that on me? I'm taking that thing off. That's not even true. Absolutely. Welcome to the Blessings Podcast, where we explore the twists and turns of life in all its perfect imperfection. So you can see how all kinds of other people are just like you. I am Mitzi Campbell, your life story mentor, a transformational teacher, lifelong educator, college professor, with decades of work in education, self-development and psychology, nonprofit leadership, and the arts. I am a flower photographer, a yogi, a knitter, a voracious reader, and a mom of three fantastic grown-ups. And I'm so happy to be your host for this experience of connection, gratitude, blessings, and lessons. We are here to see firsthand that people of all walks of life go through things that are invisible on the outside, and that we just never know what our fellow humans are carrying with them on this crazy journey. So get comfy. And let's listen with love, compassion, and an open mind as we ditch the small talk and go deep into discovering others so we can better get to know ourselves. Welcome back to Blessings, my friends. Today, we are all blessed for many reasons, but not the least of which is that we are about to speak to the founder and CEO of The Power of Positivity, Kristen Butler, widely known on social media as Positive Kristen. She is here to bust the myth that you need to get outside of your comfort zone to be successful. In fact, she's created a 50 million person strong abundance movement around intentionally curating, living in, and operating from your comfort zone. Her recent book, The Comfort Zone, Create the Life You Really Love with Less Stress and More Flow, is like a permission slip to let life be easy. But as positive as she is now, she was once at a serious rock bottom, which is where she found out that she was living life as a total mismatch from her true identity. And she was pushing instead of relaxing into her comfort zone. It's a beautiful take. And we are going to hear her story today. And I wonder how many of you will hear parallels to your own life. I know I have, and I am going to bet that you will. Welcome, Kristen. Oh, thank you so much, Mitzi. That was such a beautiful introduction. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I like to dig into your life story, but before I do, I really enjoy asking people a big question to get our brains turned on. This is something that came up for me when I was reading your book, and I wanted to ask you what your take on this is. Why do you think that some people are so triggered by positivity? Wow, that's a really good question. I feel like we go through so many struggles in life, and then we think that's the definition of life, that we're just here to struggle. Because it can seem like that, right? But that's just one perspective. And what I found in life is we can choose the perspective. My life was filled with struggle. But when I let that become my identity, and I woke up every day feeling like, everything was a struggle. It just got worse and worse. So when we can open up our minds to know that there's a different reality, if we choose to accept that and we step into that and start living it, 
then things start to change. So when people are triggered, it's just maybe they haven't seen the opportunity or the reality of actually living in a positive way. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of putting it. I noticed that a lot. So I'm also a very positive person. I look at life through that lens and um, I have encountered some pushback on that. (laughs) So it's really interesting to consider that. Thank you for answering that so beautifully. All right. So can you tell us where were you born? I was born in a small town in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I live in Pennsylvania in a small ah, town. <laughs> nice. We're at, we're at in Pennsylvania. In ba- right now I'm in the Poconos. I'm in a little town called Bangor. Yeah. You're up north, um, right? Like north. Yeah. Northeast. northeast. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm a Pennsylvania girl. I know how that is. <laughs> <laughs> what did your family look like when you were small? We grew up poor. My mom had me when she was just nearly still a teenager and entering college. And it was a bit of a struggle. She eventually had four kids and raised us on welfare. And so really early on, though, I just didn't feel like it was a fit for me, this kind of life. And when I started to see that other people live different ways, I was very curious how they were living that way. And so that my mind was always trying to figure out how can I change this circumstance for myself one day so I don't have to live in constant stress and struggle. It's very difficult Mm -hmm. raising four children when you're poor. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That must have been really hard. I know that you talk about this on your website and in your um, book, that you spent a lot of time with your grandmother and your grandparents growing up. And so how was that a light for you and a positive place for you when you were growing up? My grandma just was, she loved so unconditionally and she was very faith-based. She was very positive. She was very peaceful, slow to move. She just was just this beautiful light, very compassionate with me. And so it was I was a gift to be around. When I was younger, I spent more time with them. And then as I got older, it was just on the holidays. But I always thought, how can I be more like grandma? Because she really tried to embody positivity when it was just beautiful to be around. But then my grandfather was more of a chaser, right? Chasing success, chasing that American dream and always at the office, always working, always pursuing. And it was a great balance for me now that I look at it today. But as I saw my 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 papa back then, I thought, wow, he's really doing it for himself. And I was very inspired mm-hmm. at a young age because he changed his circumstance. He grew up in a family that was poor in Ohio. And so he was just trying to get that American dream. Yeah. And these were your mom's parents, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you saw something in them that maybe she didn't see, would you say? I don't know for sure. I think everybody has different pursuits and different purposes here on this earth. And sometimes I think of myself as a black sheep in a way, the way that I see the world and I see people and the passion that I have and the goal setting visions that I have. And so I don't really compare myself necessarily to her in that way. Yeah. But you were able to shape this different perspective, even from such a young age. 
I'm curious, what was your earliest memory? The thing you remember in your life that actually happened the earliest thing? Wow. That's such a good question. A lot of times I love books, so I'm such a big reader, but my grandma read to me all the time. And I actually have a lot of her books that still smell like her. She's not here anymore. And yeah, a lot of my early memories are sitting on the couch and her just reading to me endlessly. And when I was little, I thought after a while, I'm like, this is boring. (laughs) Can we just play or do something or go outside? But here I am today, like loving reading and loving learning. So it's such a good memory to have. I love that. And I love that you still have the books and that you talk about how they smell like her. (laughs) They really do. Actually, I don't even know how they do, but I just think it's so cool because yeah, all these years that they were on her bookshelf and now I have them and they still, when you open the pages, you're like, oh, it's grandma's house. I love the smell memories, right? The smell memories are so like special. (laughs) They are. They are. I'm very big on that. Like objects that tie you to a positive feeling from your childhood. Mm. I have a lot of those kinds of objects. Like I have a little blocks that I used to play with. I have a little person, a Fisher Price little doll, like we called them people. When I was little, I have that. And I, I have a mug. So the idea of books too, and I have some of my original golden books. Remember with the gold binding, those little golden books. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep, I do. So it's beautiful. Keeping those things and keeping those ties is so beautiful. I was going to ask you if you had an object from when you were a child that ties you to a positive memory. Is there anything else you keep? There's a a few toys because she would keep things in just such mint condition. She was, and there was a couple toys that I had played with. And I tell the girls like, this was mommy's when she was little. (laughs) And it is, it's fun to pass that down. It is so fun. The idea of passing down those traditions and the things that made you feel happy that you want to, it's like you're passing happiness down. Yeah. It's so true. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. So I know you talk a little bit publicly about how school was a little bit difficult for you when you were young, because you were finding yourself in clothes that might've looked different from some of the clothes that other kids were wearing. They were hand-me-downs and talk a little bit about for us, the realization that you felt different. And also what you mentioned a few minutes ago, the idea that you knew there was something else out there. There was another life. Can you just expand on that a little? Yeah. When I grew up, my grandma had taken us to Goodwill and would get our clothes. And I didn't think much of it. She would stock us up, right? But after a few months, and especially as quick as kids grow, I would start to get, and I was a little heavier girl, I'd start to get holes in my clothes. And sometimes I'd be wearing them and I maybe I wore them a couple days ago or I'd wear them on repeat. And yeah, kids are so mean. They just bully you. And I had to struggle with that. Also, I didn't read and catch on as quickly as other children. I remember getting in trouble often because I couldn't keep up or I couldn't pronounce words as as well as other children. And back then, teachers were a little harder on you than they were today. I even remember the ruler happening on my wrist once in a while, right? I don't know what happened to me. Yeah, I wasn't, I'd get in trouble almost for not being able to keep up or talking during class. Yeah, childhood was a little bit of a struggle, but I learned how to be a good student. And I learned that if I read more and I just studied extra, 
that I could keep up. And so that's what I learned. It was like a great survival mechanism, but it's really true. Anyone can learn anything. And even if you're not good at something, like for me, it was math, actually. The more I studied, the better I got. And then you found that enhanced your ability to fit in. Exactly. As well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I would just, okay, I'm not like the other ones. How do I figure that out? And I think we all do that in a way. Right. But then you get lost. You're like trying to fit in. You're trying not to be bullied. You're trying not to stand out necessarily. Right. Kids can be so mean Mm -hmm. in middle school and high school. Mm -hmm. And so I just survived and tried to figure out how I could best fit in and best and do my best. I think that's so important. And what you said about the teachers being a little harsh, and I know that the ruler doesn't really come out so much anymore, but I have to tell you, like when my (laughs) daughter was in um, high school, she had an experience like that with a teacher where the teacher said to her in front of the class, they were, there were some of the cool kids up front and they were bantering with the teacher and the teacher was, you know, laughing with them. And they were looking at some pictures on someone's phone. And my daughter tried to join in. And the teacher said to her, what are you doing up here? You can't worry about this because you didn't even pass this test that we just had. And she was devastated. She was devastated because she was excluded from this kind of little private party between the teacher and the popular kids. And it really got me thinking this happens. It's not just the other kids who are bullies. It's also the adults in our lives that we trust to be taking care of us. And we do have to sometimes figure it out and make our own way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, When I was in third grade, we created this, and this was in the book too. I don't know if you, I'm sure you read this part about creating my own mock book. And I went up to the teacher and I said, I'm going to be a real author one day. And I was so excited because here I just created my own book. I illustrated it. I wrote it. And she just looked at me and she was like, you struggle with reading and writing in my class. And she was she looked just so disturbed by me. And she said, you'll never write a book, Kristen. But in in her defense, I did struggle with reading. I had a hard time finishing a novel in third grade. And so I just love the growth that I've went through, obviously, each year. But when you hear things like that, and you're a little child that does really affect you for some time that, wow, these you look up to a teacher or a family member, a well-meaning family member or a close friend. And when they give you that kind of feedback, you really internalize that as truth. And so how many of us take these labels on and are even in our adult lives living with these labels that we received when we were children that were never true? They were just someone's negative beliefs about us just in that moment doesn't mean that it's true. A lot of my journey was ripping off those labels and being like, why would I have let someone put that on me? I'm taking that thing off. That's not even true. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's almost like the analogy of when you go to a workshop and you have the name tag and then you realize you're in the grocery store afterwards and you're still yeah. wearing the name tag. It's like that. It's like, rip that off. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. That's so true. And then how many we put on every right. year, even especially as children. We do, but I think that is a part of the adult experience that many people don't realize is their responsibility, that it's something that you have to do if you Mm. want to be able to really self-actualize is you've got to take a look at those labels that you received 
unknowingly or uh, under someone else's idea of who you are. And there's a lot of people who don't do that. We just think we don't realize we have a choice. That's so true. Or even that we've given ourselves from just one bad experience. And we're like, okay, that was just one bad experience. It doesn't mean that it will always happen that way. Or that's true about you. That's so true. Yeah. You are someone new in every moment and you Mm. get a chance to start again or reinvent yourself or (laughs) relabel yourself. I don't like labels. I think as a whole, And it's interesting to talk about labels because there are certain things that we are like, I'm a mother. That is part of my identity. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister and things like that. So what would you say are some of the labels that you have that are non-negotiables that you have to carry and some labels that maybe you could? Yeah. I'm also a mother. I have two girls. So that's a label that I love. Mother, wife. CEO. I love being the founder and CEO of Power Positivity. And then labels of my personality. I love being humble, but I also love being a dreamer and a go-getter. I think one label I would like to take off is the inner bully, which I don't know what I would call that, right? The label of that inner bully that sometimes tries to come up and say, you can't do that. Why would you think you can do that? So that's one that I continually work with letting go. I don't know. I think, I don't know if it'll be a lifelong battle, but a few years ago, a quick story. I was working with a coach for the first time. It was a Bob Proctor coach when he was still around. And she was so amazing because she was encouraging me to get in front of the camera and speak. And I'm like, I just don't think that's part of who I am. I'm not, that's not my personality. She's, no, I think that's a limiting belief. And it was the inner bully telling me just based on past memories that, hey, that's not who you are. But really, we can define who we are, who we want to be at any moment. And we can take on anything. Even if we weren't born with that skill, we can learn to create that skill and master it. Yeah, 100%. Growth mindset depends on that. Totally. Uh, It's the key. It's a hallmark of having a growth mindset. Yeah. That anything is it's wherever you are is just a starting point to where you're going to go next. Always. I love Uh, that. Yep. Yeah, definitely. That's wonderful. So I read that in, in your high school experience, you started to learn more about pushing yourself is outside of the comfort zone. Right. And that this is where you found some success with I don't know, more of that fitting into the box kind of uh, thing that we're all looking to do as teenagers. Can you talk a little bit about that time of your life when you found that, I guess, artificial drive and that it created this temporary sense of success? Yeah, that's so good. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we can always create that motivation. And so everything that I had been through that fueled the motivation And so I started to learn, hey, just through a lot of action, you can change anything. And so I would push myself. I would get up at 5 a.m. I started working out. It was was Denise Austin back then on TV, but I would work out twice in the morning, which I totally love her. She's amazing. And then I'd be outside. I'd walk. I'd play sports. And then during school, I would always make sure that I was studying extra and doing my best. And yeah, was editor of my school newspaper. I lost, I think, 25 pounds at that time. And I was feeling really good, but I was beginning to burn myself out. And I didn't know what that was. 
And I tried to push through. I thought, you can do anything. Don't, whatever these feelings are of anxiety, it started to build up like anxiety or tiredness. Hey, you can do anything. And I would just let that motivation fuel me. And then in college, I did the same thing. I would wake up really early and study. I would study, work out. Then I would fill my class schedule to the max of what was recommended that I could do. And then I would work after that and come home. And I never had much downtime for me, self-care. I didn't invest much in friendships. It was just, hey, take your action and allow it to drive you forward constantly. And I just continued to burn myself out. It wasn't the way, the balanced way to live. But at that point I thought, no, this is the way to success. And this is what everyone says. So this is what you do. You just keep pushing forward. Yeah. What did you go to college for? Journalism. Okay. Yes. I know that you at some point hit a wall. Can you talk a little bit about that? You were pushing yourself and then something happened. Yeah, I was, um, the, one of the biggest memories was I was in one of my favorite journalism classes and I just had this anxiety inside and I didn't really understand what it was early twenties. You don't get that stuff. You're just like, what's going on? What are these feelings? And I ran to the bathroom and I had a panic attack at the time. I didn't really know what that was. I was just so ashamed at myself. I thought, what are you doing? What is going on here? And I didn't want to tell anyone either because weakness, especially even back then, there's a lot more about emotional intelligence today, but it really wasn't talked about then. It was very shameful to have any kind of mental breakdowns. When I experienced that, and then it just started continually happening over and over, I just didn't really know what to do. And there's not the, back then there wasn't as much awareness. So eventually I had to drop out because it was like, I was just so anxious and I just didn't understand why I didn't realize that I wasn't recharging myself. I was just constantly mm -hmm. go on mode mm -hmm. and it's just mm -hmm. not a healthy way to live. We're humans. We're not robots. Yeah, absolutely. When you had a panic attack, what was happening in your body? What actually happened? What did you feel? Yeah, my neck was really tense. It was so tense. I couldn't control it and I mm -hmm. could barely breathe. And that went on probably for about five minutes. It was, and then it was just continual. As soon as my neck started to go, I knew, oh no, oh my gosh, it's going to happen. And it's just like my body was like gets... in these cycles. Yeah. When this would happen to you, would it happen at times when you felt you were under stress or could it happen at any time when you were not it, expecting it? it? It was starting to happen almost any time. I was even in some of my favorite classes. So it was yeah. just, it was like, I wasn't listening to my body. Yeah, because, so my body well, was yeah. like, Hey, we're trying to tell you that there's some downtime needed here. You're not getting those red flags. So boom. We're going to make you have to. And what I learned eventually was that if you don't listen to your body will make you have to rest. You will literally be bed rest if you don't listen. It's true. Happened to me, 22 people who have heard me tell my story that happened to me and it can happen at any point in your life. And I think the interesting thing is, like you said, it can happen when you're doing something that you think you're enjoying and you can suddenly get this message from that. Your body is telling you, okay. There's something going on and maybe not in what you're doing right now, but in your life as a whole, like to look at it as a whole and not just in isolated parts. Cause that's how we mm. tend to think like this thing is making me anxious, but really it's a whole 
perfect storm of events that are culminating in the things like panic attacks or physical symptoms, things like that. And that's why I love that you have framed it that way with your work on the comfort zone, because it's not, you talk about the comfort zone in your book, especially it's not just uh, this place where you feel safe, like this hypothetical land. It is actual things that you do in your life, curating your environment, the things that you eat, the people you hang around with, your things that you consume, like your media, your news, your social media, like all of that constitutes the zone where you are comfortable, which is the zone where you're at your best, the zone yes. where you're able to really bring it. Yeah, totally. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like, why are we here? And so we want to enjoy the journey and our comfort zone doesn't have to be this small static place. It can be as big as we allow it to be. And, and in fact, the more comfortable we are with life, the less we're going to experience anxiety and panic attacks and things like that. But we have to really get to know ourselves and know what we're really comfortable with because currently the comfort zone definition is someone Netflix and chill, ignoring life, maybe being a little complacent and lazy. But Mm -hmm. when somebody's feeling stuck or paralyzed and not really wanting to do anything, that is not a comfortable place. And when you look under underneath it all, they have fears and doubts and these things that are holding them back from taking action. So what that means is we actually do want to take a lot of action. We want to expand. We want to experience life. And by numbing why we're not feeling well is not the answer. And so to me, we want to make the comfort zone a comfortable place. And then we want to expand. We want to feel safe within. A lot of times I talk to people and they don't even prioritize feelings of safety. And Mm -hmm. I think that's Mm -hmm. so important. We want to Mm -hmm. find how to feel safe, where we feel safe, so that we can listen to our intuition throughout the day. So we know when to take action and where not to take action. And when we can really start listening to that voice, it's going to make everything easier. I could not be more excited about what is happening inside of my book club. People are getting more out of the books than they have ever gotten before because I'm teaching them how to engage and actively participate in not only reading, but thinking. So if you are a self-help junkie and you have read these kinds of books for years, but maybe they just tend to sit on your shelf and you're not sure how to put the concepts to practice in your life, I have got your back because this book club is going to help you to use the information in the best-selling, most influential books of all time to achieve success, wealth, health, and all the things in a real, tangible, meaningful way. I want this book club to go global because can you imagine how amazing the world would be if every single person who read a fantastic book actually did the things the book told them to do? Imagine how that could change the world. And that's what I want to do. I want every person who reads Think and Grow Rich to be rich. I want every person who reads Atomic Habits to be massively successful. But the fact is that a lot of people have these books. In fact, millions of people have these books and they're not using the tools correctly. They're not achieving the goals of the book. I teach you how to use the information and to make it work for you in your unique life. So join me, mitzicampbell.com forward slash book club. 
it will change your life. Yeah. And I love what you just said about how the comfort zone is the place from which you can expand. It's not a place where you're going to sit. That's the complacency zone that you talk about. And anyone who knows anything about psychology will understand the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that you have to have the foundation of feeling safe in order to grow. That's actually required. And so trying to push beyond that before you have, like without feelings of safety, it's always going to implode. You're just, you're going to hit some barrier at some point. It's interesting that the same people who believe to step outside of your comfort zone don't prioritize safety. And we need our nervous system to feel safe, to be productive, to be creative. And science tells us that. We don't need to be in survival mode and then operating. But so many of us are in that survival mode and then we're never giving ourselves a break. And I think when I was having these burnouts and breakdowns, I never let really let myself feel safe or feel comfortable because I was shaming myself for even thinking about those things. And I think a lot of society is so stressed out because they feel that same way. Yeah. And if we see that external pressure, we internalize it. And then we put that on that pressure on ourselves. Like you said, shaming yourself, if you're not not going the extra mile at every moment of the day, and I'm guilty of that too. I'm totally guilty of beating myself up if I can't accomplish my goals for the day, but giving yourself grace is something that you owe to yourself. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you talk about how after you got to the place where you had to drop out of school that you needed to do something. And of course you need to make money or be able to survive. So you started selling things on eBay. And then at some point you had some snafus or maybe grew too big and couldn't keep up, which is at the time maybe was a good and a bad problem, but it resulted in another kind of setback. Can you just walk us through that for a moment? Yeah. I always prided myself on how resilient I was. And I thought I have to do something until I figure out why I'm having these panic attacks. And so I just went into another thing and I started a business and it was very successful because when I get into something, I, I do have a lot of passion. But again, here it was, I wasn't prioritizing self-care and taking care of my body in the ways that I should have been. I thought I was, but I continued to burn myself out. Now, the biggest time was, and this is when I hit rock bottom, I couldn't keep up on all the orders. And back then, there wasn't just like the ability to hire an assistant as easy as it is today, right? And so Mm -hmm. eBay shut my store down just for a few days. I had gotten behind on some of the orders. And really, at that same time, I was going to the doctor and trying to figure out what was going on in my body. At that time, I found out I had PCOS, but she said to me, you're never going to have children. Like you have so many cysts on your ovaries. You're never going to have children. And I was like, never. And she was like, no, you'll never have children. And I just, I couldn't get out of bed. It was like, I thought that I failed so much here. I let, I ruined my health. I lost my business. And here I put everything in to try to change my circumstances And be able to provide a different life for my children one day. And I, at that point, I thought I really should just give up here. Like 
I've ruined everything. And here, look, I was only in my 20s, but it felt like that to lose another thing or fail at another thing. Yeah. And you you mean in the biggest way you wanted to just give up, like not to be here anymore. Yeah. It was like either just completely give up because there's doesn't look like there's any options here anymore. Like it just felt like that, right? Or just try something new. Yeah. When we get to that point of rock bottom, that's when there's no alternative but to either figure it out and go up from there or throw in the towel. And you knew that it wasn't time to throw in the towel, even though the thoughts might have crossed your mind. And I know you talk about calling your husband at the time. So you were married pretty young. Yeah, I think it was I think this all happened just not so great with time, just a few months after that, I think. Somewhere it was close to it within a year or two. Within a year or two of getting married, yeah. um, you experienced this rock bottom. And how did he respond when you shared this with him? Yeah, I mean, he did call um he did report me and then I went into the hospital mm-hmm. and all of that and so um I ended up starting to see a therapist. And that was very healing for me because she saw things that I didn't. And I think that's so important because often we can be blind to our own greatness, especially at times like that. And that can be when we're afraid to talk to someone, especially back then. I feel like it's so much easier to now, but it's so important to reach out because other people are going to see something in you and it's what you need to hear during that time. Yeah. So can you tell us what, I know what this, what you're going to say, but I want you to tell everyone what she said to you that helped you to turn everything around. She said, do you ever see the monsters? And I was like, yeah, because back then it was always on reruns on TV and stuff like that. So I had seen it so many times and she's, you're like Marilyn, you're truly like this positive light, but you're surrounded, you've been surrounded by these monsters. And it really hit then because I felt seen. And I think that's all I had needed was just to feel seen. I didn't need a solution. I didn't need, I didn't need a solution. I just needed to feel seen. And that really actually helped Mm. transform. Okay. Someone can see who I really am and there's hope here. And this woman didn't really even know me, but it was helpful to see that here I had been trying to act like everyone around me and I'm different. So I need to act like myself and I need to claim that person and I need to act in that way. So that's really where I started to say, what's comfortable to Kristen? What does Kristen like to do? What brings Kristen joy? And that sounds maybe like a selfish journey, but when you're at a rock bottom like that, you need to start filling your cup because it's your life and you're here to live it. And so it's really not a selfish thing to really get to know yourself and then curate your life around all the things that you love to do. Yeah. It's not a selfish thing at all. I I think it's actually our obligation. I think it's what we're here to do Mm. to discover ourselves because you can only like growing out from the comfort zone. And you talk about this in your book that your true self is the comfort zone. That's where you build from. And you can't expand until you go in there and get to know that true self and unwind all of that programming from childhood and those labels and the patterns and things that accumulate the limiting beliefs, et cetera, that we get from our childhood where we have no control or little control over our environment. It's a perfect example of that. So you, you found out that things that might've been perceived as weaknesses in society or by other people like teachers and whatnot, 
were actually strengths. And then you learned how to turn those weaknesses or perceived weaknesses into strengths. Can you talk about that a little bit? That's such a good way of looking at it. Yeah. As I shared that story about writing, here I am today now with three best-selling books. So yeah, I took that. And we don't always need that motivation of I'm going to prove wrong, but it's not necessarily that I did it in that way. It was just like, that was something about myself that I love to write. I loved creating. I love the experience of creating a book. And so I did that today. So that is one area. And then I would also say speaking. This year, I spoke at a few events and I completely loved it. I'm new at it. But it was like, I loved sharing my message in that way and connecting with people in real life. And again, that was an area that I had to overcome limiting beliefs. I thought, hey, this is not who I am. And I had bad experiences in my childhood, but none of that matters. When you want to step into that greatness and that aspect of you, and you have that desire, you can do it. You can definitely do it. It's really interesting how that process of exploring your identity was what fueled all of this growth and success in your life. And so how did you make the transition from that therapy session and working in that way to this like empire that you've built? What was that progression like? What did it look like for you? I was starting over at that point. And that's when I said, what are my skill sets? What do I love to do? And at that time, I had loved social media. I'd been on social media since I was a teenager, back when it was like weird and creepy for people to be on social media. No one even knew what it was. And I loved it. And I found it a I found a great way to connect with people and grow and build. And so I became a freelancer and worked for clients, built their social medias, built their websites. Cause I love to design too. I love to write. I love to do social media. And so I started rebuilding off of my skill sets and the things that I love to do. So I found work mm-hmm. around what I loved to do. And mm-hmm. before, And before that, I didn't, I didn't ask myself enough questions about what I wanted or what I like to do. And so for a few years, I worked for other people. And then when Facebook created pages, I was like, okay, I need to make this about something that's not related to work, right? Because I was doing that whole work-life balance. And so I started Power of Positivity only because I had saw such success living a positive lifestyle. And it was like, I got to tell people about this. You can completely transform your life when you adopt more positive mindset and more positive lifestyle habits. And so it took us four years to even consider monetizing anything. I didn't even really realize it was an option. But then when I did, I thought I would love to do this full time. And yeah, it been now since then over 10 years. So in you total, have a community. In total 14 years. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So it's a community. Yeah. We just have all of oh. our social media channels. So it was just, oh, a, okay. it was just a Facebook page. Facebook pages are free. And so we started it and okay. we started sharing affirmations and quotes and just tips and then eventually information and articles around how to live a more positive lifestyle, how to get rid of the negativity and how to fill it with positivity. And yeah, it's just grown through the years. 
That's just amazing. There's a lot of interesting, like we started the conversation with pushback on the positivity movement. And I see some people talking about the idea of toxic positivity, which I think is an oxymoron. I don't think positivity can ever be poisonous. (laughs) It's just not. (laughs) And I understand what they mean, that I guess if you're ignoring that there's struggle and difficulty in life, that's a normal part of life. I don't think that's what it means at all to to have a positive outlook. I don't think you ignore things. I think you just have a paradigm that puts you in that frame of mind. And so what's your, what are your thoughts on the whole toxic positivity? Uh, I love what you said, because there's always two sides of the coin and it's the one you choose. Now, what I think that they're, they are referring to is if you experience something and you just push that down, now that can create toxic positivity. If you ignore feelings that are in your body and what do they say, that's how you can get disease or, or have an experience a negative experience with your health because you're just ignoring those feelings. Now I can see how that's not healthy. We do want to get that out. We don't want to be harboring that, but that's just ignoring. It's not really toxic positivity. It's ignoring something that you went through. Now that can be toxic if you try to cover it up, but let that out and then find the positive perspective. See that you went through that. Okay. Yeah, that was difficult. Now, how am I going to grow from that? And and don't hold it in. Sometimes people just have all their memories, all the negative memories held in their body and they just live that day in and day out. But it doesn't serve us because it keeps us from this present moment, keeps us from the future of the greatness that can happen when we just sit in all of that. And that's just not a way to live. So I think that term got coined maybe because some people were triggered as we were talking about. (laughs) Yes. It's a mirror. It's a mirror. If you find the idea of positivity uncomfortable, I think it's a signal that there's something you need to take a look at. And it's to me, they say that you can't look in the mirror at yourself smiling and not be happy that you can't Mm. smile and not actually feel some happiness that those physical, the physical movement of smiling triggers an an innate pathway in the body to joy. And it's the same with positivity. Like when you channel a positive emotion, and I've read that the easiest positive emotion to channel is gratitude because everybody Mm. has something to be grateful for. Even if you have the most dire circumstances you can reach in there and find at least one thing to be grateful for. And that's the beginning of the expansion of positivity. So for me, just, I don't like those two words together, the toxic and positive. It just, it's an oxymoron. It doesn't fit. I totally agree. (laughs) And you're so right. Gratitude is really that first thing. It's always what I suggest to people because when I was at rock bottom, it was like, okay, how do I get out of this bed? I'm grateful for this bed and the roof over my head. And Mm. so when you, wherever it is that you're starting with, there's always someone that has it worse. And when you can think about, okay, what is still going right? You're creating that momentum, no matter where you are, no matter how bad you feel. So I love that you said that because it really is the first thing. Even I go to when I'm going through something, it's okay what can I feel good about this around or how can I feel grateful about this? And it really helps to shift your emotions. Yeah. That 
is really profound what you just said, because in my own experience, my mother went through a phase of depression where she was incapacitated as well. So I can relate to watching someone who can't get out of bed. And even if you're in that position right now, and you're listening to this, and you're in a spot where you just can't function, you're laying in bed, or you just can't get out of the house, you could think about being grateful that the universe is making you slow down. The universe is telling you, just take a break. Just sit with yourself for a moment and be grateful that you are being given that time to do this because that's where you can build the strength to take the next step. You're so right. No, I love that. Yeah, because you're in that place for a reason and you just have to figure out what that could be and everyone's different. I love that. It's so true. Yeah, that's such a good way of looking at it. So what would you say for people who are in a place where they're afraid to let go of the push, they're afraid to let go of the drive and just let themselves ease into a, a state of flow? What would you say to those people who are just afraid to let go of that push? Hmm. Anytime I've ever felt like that, definitely you just have to just surrender. You just literally really have to trust, have faith. For me, it's okay, this is a lot, God, and I'm not going to force this. Here you go. I'm only a human. <laughs> Take some of this. At least that's for me, like what I do. Um, but knowing and trusting that when you get into that flow, you're actually going to be more productive. You're When you let a lot of it go, we carry so much. It's like we have these heavy backpacks and they're just not needed in this present moment. So for me, it's it seems easy to say, but sometimes it is just easy to just as easy as letting go, just releasing it and surrendering to faith and trust. Mm-hmm. Cause there's just so much that we can carry if we allow ourselves to, but resilience is good, but it doesn't have to be part of our identity all the time. Yeah. I know you said that when you were going through your lowest moments, you were questioning whether God had forgotten you or mm-hmm. that he was somehow punishing you. And I think you, we get to that point of realizing that the power is within and that like spiritual moment where you do have to let go. Is that what pushed you to the point of having to let go and trust? Hmm. So you're asking like, did like it you're, you? you're, when you got to the point of questioning whether this was, you were at this low point because God was somehow punishing you. I had thought that I had failed so much. Like I just thought that I wasn't listening. I, maybe I missed a cue or something. Yeah, It had felt like that, but I was putting myself through that. And I think a lot of times we can listen to that inner bully. That's not part of our light. It's not part of who we are. Mm -hmm. We've got to distinguish the differences because to me, God's not going to say these horrible things about me. And so I had to say, wait, That's not me. That's not who I am. I'm going to let that go. That's not even part of this right now. Yeah, because that spiritual connection, like you say, the comfort zone and that place, that inner place, that's really like the height of connection to Mm -hmm. everything, to spirituality, to expansion, to yourself. And that's the place that can only be accessed through being in a place of feeling comfortable. 
and easy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's find that place and get to know it so you can take it wherever you go. Yes. Yes. So what would you say are the biggest lessons you've learned in life? Biggest one definitely is work-life balance, that we're not just here to work, right? We're yeah. here to enjoy life. It's okay to enjoy life. And it's part of the human experience is enjoying this life. And so having that balance of pursuit and growth, but then ease and flow and comfort. And so that's probably definitely the number one I think two is human connection. I was always a person who loved solitude or thought that I should always do things on my own or could always do things on my own, but we're here to help each other and be in service and of service with each other. And so human connection is just so important. And I think by sharing your story, you create that connection for people to understand that they can see these things in other people, helps them to be aware of them in themselves. And mm. your vulnerability is just beautiful. And it's it just, it's going to help so many people to hear what you've been through and help them get to their comfort zone. <laughs> Thank you. So what about your blessings? What's the biggest blessings that you, that you have experienced in life? Definitely my girls, my two girls, I, they're just especially being told like, Hey, you're never having children and feeling, especially as a woman, like what? Oh my gosh. I thought that's like what I'm equipped to do. You get that feeling right inside. And so I'm just so grateful for them. And then just the power positivity community. It's like a, a gift to me. People are like, you give so much, you pour so much, but they're pouring into me. It's like, it's just this beautiful feedback loop because I'm living in service. I'm able to share my story and help other people. So many people have shared their story about it, how it's helped them, how my books have helped them. And it's wow to see that ripple effect that a few years ago, maybe eight or nine years ago, Wayne Dyer at a writer's workshop said that your story is your book. And your message is so important. It needs to be shared. And back then my belief system was that like, no, your story is shameful. We're going to hide that. That is not something you share with people. No one is going to want to even listen to you or even connect with you if they heard your story. And we think that, but it's not true because that's how we can connect with other people. This human experience has struggle and we need to make, get through it together. Yep. Yep. It's all about story. People have a need to share their stories. It's actually a magical thing. People need to share their stories and they love to share their stories after you show interest. When people realize that other people are connecting through their stories, they'll share. I'll have strangers tell me their stories in the grocery store or sitting in a waiting room somewhere. I'll have strangers who'll just randomly start telling me their stories. Like people have this need to do it. And it's like a beautiful way of connecting. Mm. So yeah, I, I love it. And I think also an interesting point to make for people too, is that your healing process in learning how to connect to the comfort zone and the other areas of positivity allowed you to overcome what a doctor told you was never going to be possible for you. And that came to you through healing. And that's, you know, through the power of positivity. Yeah. Deep inner healing. And it's like, it's so important to adopt a positive lifestyle that 
every area of your life, how can you make that healthier for yourself and mm-hmm. really live in well-being? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the key. It's the key, not only to just living uh, a beautiful life, but also to helping you to avoid disease mm. and overcome struggles like depression and anxiety and panic and things like this. So it's really powerful positivity. It's not just, it's not just a name, the power of positivity. <laughs> it's a real force. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So thank, thank you. you for bringing that community into the world and for being positive, Kristen. And I just love, have loved talking with you. If people are looking to hear more of your story, they can do it on your website. They can follow you on social media and they can also read a lot more about your story in your beautiful book, The Comfort Zone. So Aww. thanks for being here, Kristen. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Mitzi. I've loved this conversation. So thank you. I hope that you will share this episode with someone that you love. And I want you to know how much I appreciate you for listening. I would love for you to continue to be a part of my world. And so here are some other ways that we can get to know each other. You can follow me on my Instagram at Mitzi Ann Campbell. You can visit my website, MitziCampbell.com, where you can sign up to get a free ebook about removing your blocks and join the list to get my monthly newsletter. Or you can get involved with something really special that I have going on now my Blessings Personal Development Book Club. This is a place where we dive really deeply into the most influential self-development books of all time. We dig into all of the most important takeaways. I provide you with worksheets and exercises to do, and we discuss things together. So we hold each other accountable and we learn how to relate things to our lives in a meaningful way. Can you imagine how much it would help you and the world if everyone who's read some of these amazing books actually put into practice in their lives the things that these books teach us about? Well, that is my goal with the book club. It's way more than just a book club. It's a community. So if you want to be involved in that, you can join at any time. It doesn't matter if we are mid-book because you have access to all the replays. It's easy to jump right in at any point. We meet twice a month. It's very low key, but very high impact. I also have space for two more one-on-one coaching clients coming up in 2024. So if you're interested in digging deep into your life story with me to find out what are your limiting beliefs, what's holding you back, and how can you repattern all that stuff that you learned that may not be serving you now, then let's have a chat to see why making an investment in life coaching and high-level mentoring from an expert in psychology and education is something you deserve. Thanks again for listening. I love you for being here and for just being you. Go on out there and live your story.